Hello and good evening, good morning. This is a special edition. It's actually my 100th episode and it's super special for me. This oh, wow. It is, and I wanted to yeah. see this why It's super special. So this 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 is Angry Anderson or Gary. I don't know if he's angry or he's Sleepy angry. Anderson or what are you, are you angry tonight? Or <laughs> sleepy. Um, he is uh, a heck of a guy. He, besides being a legend of music, he's just, he's done so much for children and charities and helping out people and uh, a heck of a father and 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 you've done so. There's there's a trilogy of things that you've done. I've really been. I've I always hold to. First time, I heard I heard um your your first album was a stand up moment for me. You you and Mad Max is like my favorite character. I'm gonna tell you, if I was you, I'd get that Mad Max costume. And every now and then, I go out there and I'd be mowing my lawn with that costume on and kind of look <laughs> over at the neighbors, just to keep neighbor couldn't check. You're out there. You're doing it. You got the extra head popping around the corner. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I asked George about the costume, and he said, "No, it's got to go in the museum." Um, he said, "But I, uh, if you want, I can have a a, a replica made." And um, it was then I realised because in, in the film, uh, all the cars, etc., yeah. you know, like people, um, you know, I mean, when you think about it, if they're going to trash that many cars, so that, that might have about two or three rehearsals, so they rebuild the same car like three right. or four times. So, um, um, but the, 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 the costumes, uh, they've, they've always got a, a copy for long shots, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Or, or, or uh, like, you know, I had a stunt man, um, a stunt double, um, who did two of the, the hardest stunts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but George, George was um, a funny character. He, he did say to us, he said, look, um, I'd, I'd like you to do, I want you to work with the stunt crew. I'd like you to do as many of the stunts as, as you can. So um, myself, because um, Iron Bar's stunts towards the end during the train, the chase, you know, when he's alongside the train and he's trying to get onto the train and all that kind of stuff. Um yeah, so there was a few things that we had to do, like transfer from vehicle to vehicle at speed yeah. and stuff like that. And um, so, you know, we did some pretty intense training. But, um, but it, you know, but there's always another costume made um, for the stunt guy, right? So um, uh, he, he did a couple of the really of the harder stunts for, for Iron Bar's character or the character of Iron Bar. And um, but you know it was um, it wasn't as detailed as mine was. It just like from a distance it looked really rough. You know, yeah, like, yeah. But um, yeah, but so the, uh, the the costume. But he's kept everything. He's kept all the original cars and 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 um, even um, uh, I was told by we were talking. We were just in conversation, but. You know, there's um, in the scene in the first movie, mm-hmm. and, and the the patrol part, patrol car goes through a caravan. Yeah, yeah. Well, they kept the wreckage of the caravan. What? <laughs> yeah. Where's he so, keeping that? That just that... Um, he's got a couple of warehouses. Oh, okay. Um, collectively, yeah. uh, 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 like the area of a football stadium, um, or maybe even a couple. But um, he's got all the all all the uh, the vehicles wow. and the costumes. Yeah, he's got the whole lot. That is as that a is museum. Big. Okay, 
but that would to me because yeah, I'm sure you hear the Mad Max on him line, but that if, if there's a character for you to be always known for in a movie, that's one that's a good character, man, to to get that. But oh, yeah. Yeah, I would I would totally have the costume. I'd be mowing the yard. I'd be at the grocery store with it. That head would be you'd be walking. <laughs> I'd be walking down the aisle like getting cereal, and then that like that head would be above the top, going over the other aisles. They'd be like, "What the heck's that?" You just see the top part of your costume. <laughs> oh, angry kid getting his getting his, his milk. Um, yeah. That would be the second best thing you've done. But but I, the top my top favorite thing you did is it was um it's been on the internet for like I don't know 15, 20. I don't even know when it came out. It was probably I don't know if it was an Australian piece they did on you. It was what we call true stories. Um uh, and we do like a little talk about you and your life. You were doing single dad and you weren't doing music at the time. And it, it was talking about you. You were actually um doing work in your cleaning houses. Do you remember mm. this piece? Yeah. And to me, that was the coolest thing you did. You're like, I'm a dad. I'm working, and there's no shame in doing any kind of work to anybody. I'm cleaning the fact that you were cleaning a bathroom like we all do. There was no airs. And this is during a mm. time of big rock stars. You were like, this is life. Mm. And I love my kids. I'm paying a mortgage. It's a good job. There's nothing beneath anybody. That mm. was the most rock and roll <laughs> moment ever. And the fact that during a piece, and it's, it's, this is the funny, like during a piece, they were playing um, one of your heavy pieces with, uh, with the Fast Eddie song. And it's like, and the slag Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was almost like the, um, and they have you vacuuming with the music to it. It was kind of like the, uh, the clean version <laughs> of I want to break free, uh, but it was like heavier. And to me, I was like, that is it. That is, that is the best moment. So, so to me, that was one of the coolest things. Mm. And, and, and you saying, you know, this is who it is. And this is, that was a really stand up moment as, a, as an adult and, and to see somebody do that. So I, I applaud you on that one. I don't, I don't know. Thank I mean, you. I think, that was just that's cool that's, it, it that's was just... it was a very it was a very difficult time because i mean for a lot of reasons because um uh, there was the opportunity to um uh, i don't think with the tats at that time the tats weren't performing uh once together but i was working with another band um a cover band and 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 a very very successful it was like a rock review sort mm-hmm. of cover band and had several singers and we would each do like I do uh, the heavy rock parts or the heavy rock segment. And one of the other singers did, uh, you know, more your sort of um, Eagles, uh, you know, sort of like yeah. LA rock sort of stuff. And that, anyway, long story short, there was the opportunity to work, but, you know, I had, um, you know, I had a couple of young kids. Um, when I say young, um Galen had, had, you know, turned 12. He was 13 at the time, still at school. You um, household. Roxy was still at school because she was like 17. And, I think you had a 22-year-old. Um, I think 22-year-olds, 22, 22 I heard one of your, your daughter. I think that was what I heard on the tape. Yeah, that was a bit later. Um, okay. But, but yeah, when, we, when the marriage first broke up, she was 17 and Galen okay. was 12. And they came with me because... The court said that um, uh, at 12, the ruling here is that they can choose which parent they want to live with. Um, oh, wow. So, so yeah, so it, it meant that I couldn't tour, pardon me, um, uh, because I had to be there daily um, for the kids, you know, to get them to school, um, get them back from school. I mean, they had to have a safe environment to come back to, you know, like so in other words, there had to be a parent around. So yeah, it was it was a terrific. Um, uh, it's kind of what happened, and you know, it's it's one of the best things you've ever done. One of your oh, best I, projects. Wait, your four best releases. <laughs> I, I think 
you know, you being there for that, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It fills your whole, we're talking, you know, music and love and it's all the commerce of, you know, it's you doing that, mm. being there for your kids and being a dad for your kids present. That's. Well, it's like more that. important. It's more important than anything. As you know, you realize that's because you're a parent. Right. And um, there's, there's, there's nothing that, uh, it's no choice to make. You know, it's it's well, just some of it is, and that's why I'm noting it because for you to be like, I could be touring, I could be this rock guy, whatever, all over the world with your your reputation, you could have gone other places and gone and done this. You're like, no, I'm gonna clean houses or clean toilets, and first off, there's no shame in that, and because there isn't, and yeah. I'm gonna take care of my kids, and mm. this is this is this is what's important. Mm. That is it was a choice. I mean, to you, it's not a choice. You know that to a lot of fathers, it's a choice. I even mean, a thought. <laughs> They want to do that. So to do that, and then that. Sorry, I've never, I've never had this happen. We're having a lot of troubles with our our national uh, phone carrier here in Australia at the moment. I'm going to blame on the sharks, though. I'm blaming absolutely (laughs) on the great whites. My my concern is, um, sharks at this point, even where I live. They're attacking people like like their knees, their ankles in the shallow water now. Yeah, I mean, first I love like the Bill Burr's yeah. got a wonderful line there. He says, "You know, like people are amazed that the sharks are attacking people in in like a meter of water or less." And he goes, "Yeah, well, that's where all the people are." <laughs> I, I, me, I got a pool, and I still I still look around the pool. Like I agree with you. <laughs> Dude, like, I, I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm waiting to go like to the beach, and, and like there's a point now where you're gonna be laying. You're not gonna go in the water, right? You're gonna be laying in the sand, and the shark's gonna run up and just jump on top of you. Like it's it's like, it's, it's, or they're gonna get in Ubers. They're gonna follow you to your houses if you stop going to the beach. It's biggest fear. I mean, the ocean is like outer space. It's like wet outer space. You Absolutely. Can't touch it. It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. there's all kinds of things yeah. that we don't know about. You know. So I'll tell you, one of the what are the what are the scariest moments? I'm not a surfer by any means, but um, like a lot of Australians, I own surfboard, and from time to time I go surfing with friends that surf. So I'll go down the sloppy end because I've got a Malibu, and um, it's like nine foot three, and um, <laughs> so you know I can catch I can catch a wave that's like Sitchings is tall. Um, but I'll go down a sloppy end, but, you know, so I'm, I'm usually I'm, I'm away from the other surfers. But when you get out beyond where the breaks, where the, where the, where they, where the, the waves fall over, so you get out into the quiet water, deep water, quiet water, so you can catch the swell, right, mm-hmm. as, it, as it rises up underneath you. That's the part that really, really rattles me because it's deep air water. And as the, as the, as because, most people don't realise well, but but when a, when a wave is, is about to swell, it, it it comes up, the water rises up, and then it becomes a swell, and and then it's, and you look behind you, and there it is. So, so you start to paddle, and it's come it comes up underneath you, right? So the, the water can be twice as deep in the in the wave as as normal, if you, particularly if you're going like as it breaks over a sandbank, like. That's what creates the fall of the waves that you say so you jump on it. So there's a lot of water underneath you. And and when you're out there on your own, the only thing that you actually hear is the wind. Because the water doesn't make any sound until it until it falls over. And then of course it makes you know the wave breaking, so to speak, or falling over. 
that's when it makes a sound. But when it's just pushing up underneath you, there's this amazing swell of water that just rises up, lifts you up, but it's a very exhilarating feeling. And you're then giving you ammunition for a nightmare is what you're doing. Yeah. I wouldn't even hear the wind. All I would hear is myself crying, the whimpering of myself. <laughs> over the jaws what? music in the back of my head. Well, that, I was about to say. I was about, sure, I was about to say. <laughs> right, what sorry. you hear then, curse that movie. You hear the dun, 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 dun. That's what you hear as you're paddling to get, to get onto that wave. And I remember years and years ago, um, I used to go to a, a coastal town that had a very, very that, that does have a very, very famous surf beach. Oh, but the beach, God, that's so the funny. beach, the beach is like miles long, like kilometers a, long. Right? Again, so, and uh, oh. so there's a, a lot of water out there behind you, like coming into the shore. And anyway, there's this one part where they break and they break both ways, and and it's it's a really really popular spot. So for locals. And uh, so we were all out there uh, one time and uh, must have been in at least maybe 60 feet, maybe, a, you know, 100 feet of water underneath, at least, you know, 50 or 60 feet of water underneath us because it's a huge big trough. And you get out there and you catch the big swells as they come in. And um, these, I just saw this, like, go under the board and I went, and, you know, like I said, I've got a nine-foot-three Malibu, so it's a lot of board. It's wide and it's very long, so it's very, very, uh, very substantial in the water. And I just saw this thing go underneath me, and my heart just leapt, and my heart, you know, because I was saturated, my instantly saturated in adrenaline. Yeah. And then, and then, then I saw it go past me again in front of me, and I could tell. I just sensed that there was something behind me. So because if you turn around on a board, the board might tip and you'll slide off. So I had to try and turn around and look behind me, and I saw a fin break water, and and, and I thought, I'm, I'm done, I'm gone. And and the, the, the fin went under the water and, and it went under the board, and it was a dolphin. And I and, and just as just as the, and the, the dolphins were waiting, there was a, there was a, a pot of them. There was a, there must have been like six or eight of them, and uh, they were waiting for the swells because they love to surf. Dolphins love to surf. Okay. So they were swimming around me. I didn't realize there were several of them, but you know, like and they're, they're big animals. Like they're really big animals. They're still scary. They'll attack. They 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 attack each oh. other. They- yeah, one another, and and I'll attack, attack sharks, but they've never been known to attack humans. But anyway, so I look around and I see the swell coming. So I thought, you know, like I I I could I said I knew it was a dolphin, so I was much relieved. And the one thing about dolphins is, if there's dolphins around, there's no sharks. Yeah, because the two are, two are, are not compatible. They don't like one another at all. And um, and then so I started to paddle. And um, I got my timing right. So, uh, you know, it swelled up underneath me. I knew I was going to catch the wave. And then all of a sudden, I look on both sides of me and there's, there's dolphins in the water, like two, three metres away. These huge, big fish surfing with me in, on this wave. It was just like, 
fucking extraordinary. Insane. Yeah, you literally extraordinary. went from a you really went from a Jaws movie to a Disney movie. <laughs> two seconds in a story. Thank you. Yeah, well, the, the great thing about it was that sense of relief, mate. That the oh fact my God. That, I would have thrown up my I, bathing suit. I couldn't. I, oh, I, mate. I, oh I, God. Well, I did, mate. I shit bricks. I shit bricks. I just thought, like, I'm done because I saw it go underneath the board. That water was so clear. But you still and, went surfing after that, though, right? Like, you got no, your big I, one surfing. Well, since that, then, you've gone out then. I mean, like, you guys well, still, I, in Australia, well, go I, out, do it. I knew, I knew there was dolphins in the water, so I knew that sharks weren't around. So I walked back down the beach, which was only a couple of hundred metres, to where the others were. Yeah. And I said, there's a pot of dolphins up there surfing yeah. the break that I was getting. Yeah. So they all came up, the other guys. It was four yeah. other guys, so that they could surf amongst the, the dolphins. So we had a great day, but, yeah. See, that's where you should quit surfing right there. You're never going to do better than surfing, catching a swell, and having dolphins next to you. You're never going to do any better. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Everything from there is surfing with dolphins and catching a swell being eaten by a shark. I mean, that's it. You're done. You've got it. You're time, time for you to go, like, I don't know, skiing or, or like, um, skateboarding or something now. <laughs> Less sharks. Mm. That is that is crazy, man. You, yeah. you oh. I'd never go. I would never. And I know people who do or have. Um, I would never uh, go into water without being with other people now. I mean, I, I, that, it's, it's always a rule anyway. I mean, um, uh, there are people that go out on their own. And um, yeah. it's a very foolish thing to do. Uh, but, there, you know, but there's people that, that, that surf at sun up. There's people I know that, that surf in the dark. I mean, they, they'll go out just before the sun rises because because it's up, you know, and so they say, "Oh, well, we got to get, you've got to get out there because it's up." Until they get surfboard with a shark cage on it, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I don't know how the dynamics would work out with that, the whole mobility part. But uh, yeah, no, well, no, that's dangerous. And it's like, and it's like, it's very daredevil. And I hope you know, that's like a single guy thing or a single woman to do. Like, you don't have any kids or stuff. Like, that's like climbing a mountain. You know what I mean? Like to be a parent or a grandfather to be like, that's really, really risky for that. That stimulus payoff is like, oh, man, I think I'd rather be around and see my kids or my grandchild. I'll, I'll do something else that's more exciting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Kinda, yeah. You're pushing a little well, too my, much my, at that my point. My kids, I mean, you know, like, my, my kids worry about me being on my bike, you know. <laughs> well, that, that's a hard one too, but it's little, you have a little bit more control. There's no more sharks jumping out well, of the bushes and tackling you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, the only – well, the – you know, the last couple of times that I've been tipped off the bike has been because of careless drivers. Right. That's and, and, and nothing, get... nothing serious for, for quite some, you know, a lot of years. I mean, um, but yeah, riding a motorcycle is, um, particularly around the city, it's fraught with danger, you know. But it's um, more offense. I think, don't you think like there's like two levels of motorcycle driving? Like the, the young, crazy, they're their own dangerous to them and everybody else. Mm. Then once you get to a level, of, of like good driving and you're aware of your environment. It's like a second, like you get that, like, like in the military, you get that certain glare, like 20 yards there. Like, you yeah. know, your environment peripheral, you know what I'm saying? You yeah. get that level. When you're that kind of driver, yeah. your true dangers are now a rock in the road. Somebody not paying attention on a turn. Yeah. Everything else is coming at you. Like you, 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 you zen into that new level of the bike itself isn't so dangerous on you. You're now just like a football player with that, I'm not really a football guy or soccer, or whatever country we're in. You got that thing and you're running for it. And everyone's after you. You're just like a big target now. That's yeah. the new challenge. 
Yeah. So be careful, and, and please. Some, thank you. I shall. I always am. You're, you're, very, you're very, a very, treasure. I am a very careful rider, really. Uh, very sedate. Um, uh, when I say sedate, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I ride a, a Harley Sportster, so um, it's, a, it's a quick bike, uh, but it, it potentially it's, it's a quick But it's got bike, luggage but, on it. But, um, yeah, really, but the, <laughs> the thing about it is it, it's, it's like, it's like um, the potentiality is, is, is not there to be abused, so to speak, or used. It's, it's just that, you know, it's, it's capable of that. It doesn't mean that, that you necessarily have to, you know, treat it like that the whole time. So, well, it's like, in, it's tra- like a tool. in traffic. Hmm? Right? It's, it's a tool if you use it properly. It's like but it's, back to guitar. Guitar, you don't have to shred every note. You don't have to play a solo over an entire song. It's to be used at a certain point. Everything needs yeah. to be used in modulation. You know, yeah, yeah. there's something evil Taste inherently it. about stuff. It's which where you go with it, you know, Taste having it. a lot of power. And in moderation. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in the real sense, I, I have great, I derive pleasure even riding around in traffic because of, of just what you've articulated is, is that I, I, I adapt entirely to, I don't try and take shortcuts. I don't take risks. Um, I'm not paranoid. I'm just super aware and and i'll enjoy uh the play you know with the traffic and when i see an opportunity to get ahead and it's safe i'll take that um you know uh, and and it's the the, the the total thinking you do it with, you do it in a in a vehicle too um like my other vehicle my um i've got a um uh, a toyota land cruiser and mm-hmm. um you know because my boys and I would, would like to get get out camping, and um, and I bought it because it's uh you know it's it's that it's an off terrain vehicle etc whatever, um and it can tow the weight and all that kind of stuff and um yeah I I so I get I get I get driving or the driving experience from two extreme perspectives you know like in a truck I'm high protected by this you know two and a half ton vehicle and um and on a motorcycle i'm down right right you know like at eye level with with all these other drivers motorcycle so. i think is, is is probably an endorphin rush right and in a hyper awareness oh, yeah. yeah. i think we, with it now with a car i wouldn't add a, a, a caveat to that is that when you have that same awareness it depends on how expensive your car is because if you're driving an old station wagon or a junker you're like whatever dude hit me the higher the <laughs> of your car, the more hyper aware you're like, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I never junker or something from Detroit. You're like, dude, hit me, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I gotta say, and, and I don't want you to get the idea that I that I um I get arrogant about it, but one of the things about about being in a truck, like an um, like a big, you know, um, off road vehicle. Is um, you know it's so much bigger than most cars uh, on the road, apart from others of its same kind. Right. Um, but it gives you a certain amount of um, you're able to sort of like uh, exert some sort of influence in your immediate area. Um, you know, and I never take that for granted, but I I do use it from time to time. Like if we're in traffic and 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 I want to cross a lane. Like, excuse me, um, excuse know. me, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, it's just you just put the blinker on and just start to merge because, like, 
no one wants to run into you in a vehicle that size. Are you, are you a collector or, or are they for I've uh, actually studio started release? No, I, I've actually, I went to school for recording and then music sucks for everybody else like in the 90s. Mm -hmm. I started doing like, you know, having autism, I didn't know where I was going to go. I didn't know yet. And I started doing like radio, a bunch of different weird things. Started, fell into cable. Recently, I switched to IT. A couple of years ago, I decided, you know what? I used to sing. And um, I want to play guitar. My kids have been playing music and some of them are kids instruments. So mm. I started learning guitar the past couple of years. And of course, when I, being autistic, Me, I'm like, I, I, I um, do you know, it's, um, it's interesting that you say that when I say interesting, it's for want of a better word. Um, these things, um, uh, I, I, it's part of my spiritual belief, but <laughs> I believe that the certain things are connected. Now we're, you know, we're on different parts of the globe. Like you might even say, on opposite sides, <laughs> their sides to a globe. Um, um, but in the aftermath, one of the things that um, um, uh, when my son was killed, um, one of the things that it brought very sharply into focus, which was, was um, a, a, a long-held belief anyway, and a practice, I might add, <clears throat> but um, pardon me, <clears throat> Not anywhere near as as um, a complete a practice in my own life as it could have been, and and one of the things that disaster does um, uh, the aftermath, if you like, uh, um, looking for. I'm so sorry for that too. I, I don't even know what to say about that. I could. I, I don't even know. I mean, that's another thing. I don't. I don't even know how. That's my biggest fear. So, bless you, man. Uh, it, it's um, it's something that you know. Obviously, you you you, you have to deal with day by day. And, and it's a forever thing. So it's, um, again, it's a component of life um, going back to the, 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 the philosophic sense right, right, right. Like, that I have um, um, of, the, of the spiritual grasp of my own personal life. Um, uh, you know, it's, 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 a it's a growth, growing, learning, educating thing so that I, that I endure and, and employ uh, day by day. But one of the things that... Um, because my boys, um, well, my four children, my, my daughter is a beautiful singer, has never sung, uh, has never wanted to. Um, she spent years and years at talent schools and she dances and, and she did drama and uh, never did anything with it, just um, wanted to, to extend her artistic uh, bent, if you like. But the three boys were all into contemporary contemporary for their ages, which is, you know, largely rap. And the three of them, uh, <clears throat> um, Galen, the, the eldest, was, was more moulded. He, he, um, one of his biggest influences was Eminem, and, um, which was lovely because he brought me, <clears throat> pardon me, because of my wanting to know about his, his music and, um, uh, you know, uh, what drove him and what what energized him and etc cetera, etc cetera. and we used to talk um lyrics and lyricists and i said to he asked me once which was one of my earliest uh influences as a lyricist and uh, and i said well obviously the blues um uh, singers of, of of the uh the 30s 20s and 30s and 40s and um but contemporary um was bob dylan right who 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 captured my interest as a lyricist because in those in the in the sixties, very early times with with Dylan, the first things we heard from him, of course, were things like um, 
tires are a change and are blowing in the wind and things like that. And because <clears throat> I become a devotee very, very quickly. So I, I, I very, at a very early age, got into his more complex lyrics. Um, anyway, long story short, um, uh, Blaine, the middle boy, he's uh, more of your R&B. He still, he started writing again. Nice. And, and and recording, yeah. Galen's given it up and he's moved on. He's very, very good at what he, when he did those four or five years of um, writing and performing and recorded, and et cetera, had a lot of his stuff played on local uh, hip-hop radio. And um, and um, Liam, of course, was, um, was the real star. Um, he had uh, wonderful uh, charisma on stage and... Um, and was a wonderful lyricist, but he he committed uh, less of his work to uh, video where they made their own videos because mm-hmm. they they all belonged to crews, and um, um, they uh, they had a, a a large crew which they all belonged to, and sometimes the crew would perform in if you can imagine um, ten twelve guys <clears throat> that would wow. break themselves up into three acts. And book themselves into a bill, or you know, they, they were booked onto a bill, and it was the same group of friends, uh, but they became three different acts. So they would <laughs> they, they would do the whole night, right? And then at the end, there were, yeah, at the end there was this um, <laughs> this wonderful cacophony of like you know what it's like in the old what they what they used to call it free, yeah. Um, Free falling or whatever, and they'd all be on stage and sharing the vocals. It was quite an experience. But um, anyway, getting back to what I was about to say, <clears throat> I I had toyed with playing guitar my whole life. I was going to ask you. That's going to be one of the questions I was going to talk to you about too. Is your, your guitar because you can't touch yeah. it and then go away and then never touch it again? No, no. It's I've always had a guitar. Oh, I've always had guitars. Yeah. I I, I um. I even had a, uh, an electric guitar for a while, uh, well, uh, back in the early days, but I was never much of a player and I'm not. I'm, I'm not, I'm not um, naturally uh, gifted or talented as I'm a guitar either. player. I'm not either. It doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter. No. It's, awesome. It's, no. it's awesome, right? To play your, you play your three cowboy chords that you're horrible at and you're like, this is the <laughs> best thing ever. I'm like the rock star. I'm a, rock star uses a joke, but you know what I'm saying? On my bed, maybe he hit three chords right. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Nice. Yeah, emotionally satisfying, you know, because let's face it, music is the commerce of emotion, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, so, I, I, mean, I, it's like I inherited Liam's, I inherited Liam's uh acoustic. I've got, I've got an old Yamaha jumbo and nice. uh, a beautiful sounding guitar, absolutely, because it's one of the original mm-hmm. uh Yamahas, so it's it's about you know 30 or something years old and it's it's really lovely but um Liam had bought himself a, a three-quarter size um fender and mm-hmm. uh, which again it, it's a completely different tone and it's quite you know, it's louder compared to the Yamaha but anyway having said that what it brought sharply into focus was that um um it's something I've always wanted to do and I've always uh, he, I, I actually bought him a whole lot of equipment as I did with the others too, but but Liam wanted um, a keyboard, so I bought him a, a Yammy piano, um, mm-hmm. but it's got a synthesizer in it, and 
it's got all the sounds and everything in it, but it's a piano, so it's okay. It's a it's a quite a big scale um, uh, as a keyboard as a length. What, so I, what I've done is that I've put myself to task as Bravo. part of my as part of my uh, honouring his memory, of course, but also part of my I, I suppose in a sense healing. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've gone back to um, um, playing guitar. And I'm going. I'm take. I'm having tutoring. Ah, oh, it's so awesome! And, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, and I thank you. And I, I just, I find that you know, like all these years, I, I you know, I, sometimes I'll sit here and I think to myself, um, you know, because we all have regrets of one kind or another. Right. I think, well, if I'd have been playing all these years, I'd be really, really good now. But I'm still having, I'm still getting that joy that you said about like. Some days I'll sit there and I'll, and I'll, my changes, you know, and I'm very rudimentary at the moment. Um, Just like me. Some of the changes are, are quite almost fluid. <laughs> and other days they're quite awkward. And I, right. because I, I've not yet reached that level of skill where, where my changes are all fluid. So that's, even that, the challenge of. of um, You're falling in love of, with music again, working. right? Mm-hmm. Did you think like don't you feel like you're falling in love with music again? Like when I got hearing oh. it, I fell in love with music. Like I'm always falling in real love with music again, which is one the, of the, the best first loves. The, the, absolutely. And one of the things that 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 I am, am so I'm urgent about, if you like, um, uh, is that when I when I get more fluid, mm-hmm. and, and even now I'm I'm starting to because I've got chord books, obviously, you know, I've got I dragged out all the old chord books. And some of them are, are, are much revised now. Some of the mm-hmm. chord books that I've just bought recently are, very, are really, really good. And yeah. um, and also I've got a um, um, a teacher self guitar and keyboard app on the yeah, on the yeah. iPad now. Um, so you do the one, the I, Ultimate Guitar one. Have you went to that site, Ultimate Guitar? No, no, that, I'll that give it a one. Book market. So Ultimate Guitar, it's it's um, it'll show you can go up like a paid and a pro, whatever. It's cheap. Or just a regular one, and there's a couple of them out there. It'll you type in the band, say a band like well, Rose Tattoo, no, <laughs> or actually, seriously, but like any band you put in right there, and people mm-hmm. submitted their own versions. They could be professional versions of it, of links, and t- all the tabs are in there. Mm-hmm. And then on the bottom part, it shows where the fingers should be, also, and it'll play like a oh, music okay. version. Of it. So wow. it kind of has you covered at our level. <laughs> wow, you know you what can practice again. It's called Ultimate Guitar. Maybe you and I can busk on your next tour across America, right? <laughs> we, can play, we can do old school stuff, right? Between our, our uh, generation, I'm like, I'm 50 or 70. Between the two of us, we can play all the old standards. Ultimate Guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so- I, one of the th- anyway, one of the things that I'm most excited about, of course, um, and, and uh, you know, I've been fooling around with the piano, mm-hmm. and... Um, I, I'm going to apply myself. I, I sort of made like a, I suppose, like a promise to myself via Liam, so to speak. And um, I feel like, uh, you know, because I believe that the uh, the energy force of, of him um, has, has you know, gone back to where, where, from whence it came, which is the the cosmos, if you like, the divine energy source that drives I'm totally with you. All, all, all life. Um, so I'm, I'm imbued with that now. And I have this 
uh, anyway, I can, I'm, I'm sort of placing my fingers and I'm playing chords on the piano or, or as I'm trying to, like I said, trying to get fluid with my changes on the guitar and I'm hearing the strings sing and um, I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking ahead a year, I can't wait uh, when I can start forming uh, patterns and I am doing it now. I'm starting to sing melodies just over the simplest of chords, you know, the AZEs or whatever. And um, and uh, I think to myself, you know, like uh, very, very soon I'll be able to start writing, but I'll write the music and the lyric. Whereas awesome. I've always I've always worked with so for me at my age, that it's like I mean, I'm in I'm in the last years of my performing uh, life, part of my career, but I'm about to start, <laughs> which is great because it proves that. You know, like life starts whenever you want it to, or like in a sense, like philosophically. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It, it's yeah, and and, yeah. and to me, like I, I grab the guitar. I'm said, you know, I'm not going to just learn how to play it because I wanted to play with my kids. Of course, you know, my kids won't. They won't play with me, of course, because they're just too cool, right? <laughs> That's a gift. <laughs> if you get your kids to play with you, I'm like all these lessons and everything. Like I have a there's an amp. I got my kid, my daughter from 16 wanted a a, a nice uh, amp. Her 16th birthday, she wanted a bass amp playing out or playing the Pixies. Where's my mind on piano at a church thing? You're not part of a church, but she it was a Does she play bass? She plays bass. I have a daughter that Fantastic. plays bass and keyboard Fantastic. by ear and acoustic. That's her, that's her tan acoustic, and then the basses are hers. I'm one of the people that said, uh, quite foolishly, when it first started after about a year or two, I said, I'll give it 10 years. <laughs> oh, you got last, everybody. I, I, um, I thought it was going to be. Like disco, I thought it was going to be like another fad phase, and it would, and 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 from time to time it would be like like now I I, I learn you know I listen to like in the car so to speak I'll I'll listen to Donna Summer and you know like the the the, the disco era of my um, you remember know. back then did you listen to it back then do you find old stuff that you felt was really schmaltzy now you get in the car and you're like. That's air cool. Air supplier. Like, you're like, Abba. You're like, you're like, yeah, I get it. I get yeah. it. Like, I get Yeah. Like, oh, Boss like, gags. Thing. Right. Yeah. Man, like, man, like, I, oh, uh, like singer-songwriters are really, are really chunky to me right now. I'm really just digging. I'm going through a phase where it's just like. Absolutely. I mean, I, I was so enamored with, um, with Boz that um, I went out and found a brand new uh, pressing, like a, an album. Yeah. A brand new one. I mean, when I say brand new, I bought it at a garage sale. I bought a whole box of albums. Like, like I'm a vinyl LPs. guy. I, 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 am, I love yeah. vinyl. I'm, I'm, and I always use about used vinyl too. I want something used very rarely. Everything My guitars are used. I love used stuff, you know. Oh, yeah, it's pretty loved, which is a wonderful turn of phrase. So the fact but, you got um, a new condition is even better. I um well yeah I mean but 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 it's like you know it's like anything else that's been owned and loved. It might have the marks of life on it, but it's it's great. matured. Yeah, absolutely. It, but it's matured and it's being played, and it, and the wood sings, and you know. It, but it, it, I I I remember this um when I got this Boz Gags uh, album. There's three of them actually. Um, uh, this KC and the Sunshine Band. There's Cool mm-hmm. and the Gang. There's um there's a, a whole box. There must have been twenty or thirty albums in this box. I said, nice. what's the what will you take? And he said, "I'll take a dollar for a dollar. I'll take a dollar for each album if you buy the box." So I think I ended up giving him like thirty bucks. And oh, that's a deal. Anyway, I got them. You know, and I had a quick look at them. You know, like 
took them out and had a look at them. There was not a mark on them. They were beautiful. And I got them home and, and gee, I, I've got to tell you that, you know, I've got, I've got really old in, in my room. I've got really old. Um, they were uh, a late 60s, early 70s Bose tower. And um, so they've got um, a couple of uh, bass speakers in the, in the cabinet. But in the top, uh, it cut off at a 45-degree angle. And they've got little clusters of, of, um, of tweeters, um, like t- two, two sets of two. Right. And they're like, they're like about an inch, oh, maybe two inches diameter. But they're, they're a classic Bose box of the era. And, um, you know, and I've got a big Yamaha monster uh, amp to drive them, so they, they get a workout. And, um, but they sound just just glorious. Yeah. Bo, Bo, Bo's told us, could I have some bows? And I said, the other day, even now, yeah. they, through the years, you buy a bows, that's like an investment. It's like buying a Rolex, you know? Yeah. So yeah. It's going to last yeah. you. Bows from, you know, A to B, but yeah. the analog sound of those records. What, so what is your bet? So I'm going to have to check it out. What, is it, what would you say? the go-to boss record should be for me what do you already recommend what, what record do you think i should go to first boss gags records mm. what do you recommend you think any of them any anyone any boss record you think i should go to first that would be the one my gate what's, what's my gateway drug to boss gags <laughs> um oh just trying to think of the one uh i think my favorite it's it's um it's got a pale blue color cover. Um, what's it called? I, I can Google it. I can Google it. Just, it's always fun to ask people off the top of their head because um, you really get the – because it depends on the moment. As far as well, looking, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could I never tell you. If somebody asks me, I'd be like, damn you, don't you dare ask me that question. My mood changes um, every 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? My top 10 goes like literally five times a day it changes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. One of the best, of course, you know, like this, of course, you know, very biased about the subject, but I think one of the best sounding uh, albums, like as a pressing, still mm-hmm. to this day stands up. And I, I play it often as Sergeant Peppers. Uh, the Beatles, you know, George Martin just did it. You know, I mean, that's just that's how yeah. it goes. What, I mean, what they did, and I've, I've watched endless, absolutely endless. Um, um, videos and documentaries on on the Beatles because there is there's just there's, there's just I'm so much material fan, yeah. and um and their, their collaboration is a beautiful set of interviews with um uh, the four of them and um and, and talking about working with George Martin and of course then they, then they talk to George Martin and um to, to hear them talk about how they linked up. Two, two tracks and how they linked up, uh, you know, and how they've uh, started running tapes backwards and doing all this stuff, you know. You, you kind of think to yourself like, yes, I mean, they still use the techniques. I mean, they're, they're, they're you know, uh, streamlined right. and made the techniques so, so sophisticated these days. But in those days, it was... It was a matter of, you know, like I, I remember uh, Mark Evans, who, you know, who plays bass with me now. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, because uh, he's, um, you know, he, for many, many years, he ran a, a guitar shop. And um, um, uh, I think it was one of the things that he did in the, once he got his payout from um, ACDC, I think, 
a couple of things that he did was were really smart. Was um, that he bought real estate, and um, the other ones was he, he sort of set himself up in this because he's a he's a guitar aficionado. <laughs> it's amazing the knowledge that Mark has oh, really? about yeah. oh, that's extraordinary about guitars, and he still now works in the shop as as their main buyer, um, and um, he, like he, he can tell you it's like. He can tell you um, when the model changed and what what uh, you know what when, when they changed this model they changed the machine heads and then oh, they, the you know what I mean? get like, deep on that they get so deep on that the nuances yeah. oh my goodness but his 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 knowledge just goes on and on but um yeah he, he's um he's quite a remarkable guy Mark he's a very um, and I don't mean to sound condescending, but um, he's um, a lot of people think that he's, you know, he's a bit of a bullfig from from the suburbs, which yeah, <laughs> we come from a very, very similar background. Um, we both grew up in Melbourne and, you know, on the tough side of town, so to speak. But um, he really is a very, he's not just smart, he's intelligent. And, um, you know, he's... Um, it was wonderful uh, to see him come alive because he'd been playing around for years. He'd been playing in a blues duo for many, many, oh, 20 years uh, with a very famous uh, or well-known blues artist here in Australia. And um, actually, who was the singer, the connection goes way, way back. Peter Wells, who started Rose Tattoo, was a bass player in a band called Buffalo. And Dave oh, wow. Tice... Which Dave Tice, which was the singer for Buffalo, um, was um, Mark Evans's duo partner for twenty something mm-hmm. years. They used to do like a blues duo because Mark's a very uh, a very good acoustic guitar player, and he has a a wonderful collection of, of, of acoustic guitars. You know, really, really beautiful. Um, like he's got two of those. Um, you know, the big blonde uh, Mickey Most model that Elvis used to play. The big, oh. He's got two, two of them. Two of them. What, what original. big hand? And, and they... And they... And they both sound different. That's, yeah. the, that's the beauty of, of, you know, like, well, even today they still hand-build guitars, obviously. They do. But, uh, but that's why I love Guno Pawn Shop. You know, that red one back there is from 1983. It's an Aria Pro from Japan. I mean, I got it from, I don't know. Actually, I, I think I bought a second hand from somebody online, an online paper we have here in the U.S. called Craigslist. And I know the guy never played guitar. I didn't even know the history. I got it. It felt very shady when I picked it up. I got the guitar. He gives me the plastic bag. And I was like, I held it up. I'm looking at the neck. I'm like, I asked him a few questions. I don't think he's ever played guitar before. <laughs> I was like, all right, time to go. Here's my money. <laughs> It's a beautiful guitar, though. I'm actually going to uh, have it redone over now for the show. Well, it's going to change a little well, bit. Well, one of the things, I mean, apart from coming back to America, which, you know, I mean, the Tats haven't worked in America since 83. And, um, and of course, you know, I mean, obviously they're all gone. But um, we're very excited about um, hopefully next year that the, um, yeah, I, the I tool so will, will, will come off. And um, one, one of the things that... Um, because um, in, in the last couple of years ago, um, Mark got married again, and um, his wife is is just the most beautiful woman, just lovely, lovely. 
best-natured lady, mm-hmm. and um, but she but she has said to him um, because they live in an apartment now. There's a he gave he give up his house, etc., with his marriage, the previous marriage, <laughs> and uh, as we all do or have. Um, What's the old, what's that gag, you know? Uh, you just find someone that you don't like and give them a house and a boat. I love Bill Burr. Bill Burr is one of my favourites. He is. A, whenever, it's, it's whenever a I'm fe- oh, mate, whenever I'm feeling down, and my son, Galen, my oldest son, he put me on to Bill Burr years and years ago when Bill was, you know, very young. Yeah, and um, I just, I just love his his sense of humor. Um, uh, when I say sense of humor, he senses humor. How he senses humor in situations, it's very, it's very, it's very Australian for an American, if you know what I mean. He, mm-hmm. we understand the same. It's it's very much our sense of humor. Mm. Well, I think Australia is a very different place. It's a very you got to be very strong. Oh, yeah. It makes it makes you tough. Australia is literally filled with all my fears, like bugs, great sharks. <laughs> really? Like if I have a checklist of things I'm terrified of, <laughs> like the biggest thing, seriously, are like the top probably the top ones are sharks. And I mean, if well, you we're, we're place, all scared of them. <laughs> shark, except for great, except for electric blankets. That's my electric blanket would be a good one too. That's the only thing that you guys don't have there. But um, the bugs, everything, it's crazy there. You know, mm. the payoff is the beauty of, of the place and the create some great rock and roll there. So, I mean, um, well, you know, it's cra- uh, yes. crazy yeah, you're what... talking about. Oh, I'm sorry, the, the, the connection though with, with, uh, with Mark and, and I actually got an email this morning that there's, it's, uh, you know, it's Bond's 75th, uh, it was going to be his birthday yes. today. Yes, yes, I did yes, not know yes, that. I yes. got the alert that there's going to be a website. I did not check it out. I thought it's kind of cool, actually. The kind of officially you know, makes it official for him out there to check it out. Yeah, I, I, I just the other day, um, someone, um, you know, I mean, these when you say um, uh, this go-to people, so to speak, um, it's only because of our association from the old days. Yeah. Um, um, you know, I mean. Uh, when I mentioning Mark before, when I first met Mark, yeah, um, it was just after Phil had joined. Uh, he'd left Buster Brown, which was the band that Tom and I were in, and Jordy right. was the bass player for who took over from Ian in the Tats. Um, um, Phil knew him as a very young bloke and got him into the band. But um, yeah, so Phil uh, Buster broke up and uh, Phil went and joined ACDC. And then not long after Phil, uh, Mark came in and we were still all hanging out together in Melbourne. And um, and that's when I met Mark. And um, um, I, I liked him. Uh, I told him years and years later because we've been, we've been best mates for all those years. And... Wow. Um, Although there was, you know, lots of years in between where we didn't see much of one another, we ran into one another only at gigs or, you know, at pubs where, you know, lots of musos used to, like, there's always several pubs where musos go to drink, you know, mm-hmm. and um, so we'd run into one another from time to time, and I used to go and watch him play uh, from time to time. But uh, I remember uh, my first impression of him was that. Um, 
Um, he was a smart ass with a big mouth, and uh, mm. uh, probably someone was going to straighten him out if it wasn't like too soon. And, and years later, he told me, he said, Well, it was not far from the truth. He said, Mate, when I was first joined the band, he said, I, you know, he said, um, I thought my own fart smelt like honey. And um, <laughs> he said, uh, You know, my mouth got me into trouble on a few occasions. But but he is an amateur, when I say an amateur boxer, he's quite a proficient uh, pugilist or in the style of pugilism. Uh, so he quits himself fairly well for a sport bloke. But, um, yeah. Well, he, he, sometimes he, the um, difference of being an amateur and a professional is literally you just don't want to get your face punched up a lot all the time. Yeah. If you're really good at it, like you're so good you can actually be a professional, but then the next step is just somebody just beating the pulp out of your face all the time. Like that is yeah, it, nah, right? Nah, that's so if you can stop right there, you're like, all right. Okay. That's so fun. That's so fun. Leave the money maker alone here. I I have to look at myself. I don't want to take a a softball glove by the time I'm fifty. I've I've had the conversation with um uh, with Mark and 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 a few others that were um I suppose uh, likely lads in the back in the day, and um you know hitting people is is not as it's not as um, trouble-free as a lot of people seem to think, you know, because um, being hit's no fun. But even even hitting people with your fists, um, you know, it's a certain amount of pain involved because uh, mm-hmm. it's just flesh and bone. But um, the first time you, well, the, you know, you wake up in the morning and you're being battered and you're sort of, you know, like, like fuck, you know, I don't, that wasn't too smart, you know, whatever, because, you know, you, you're suffering the, the, um, but the first time, and I remember, like I was saying, I've had the conversation with quite a few of my friends. The first time that you get into a stink and you're sober and you don't have the alcohol to fuel your bravado, but also when you're being hit or hitting, um, yeah. if, if you're drunk, you don't, you know, you're, you're just removed. You, you don't actually feel the intensity of it. But when you're sober, then you think to yourself, Jesus, really? This is so fun at all. <laughs> I, I, anyway, you know, I, I, we, we digress. It, it's, I, I did um, I did martial arts. I never fought. I'm you know, obviously never a fighter. It's later on in life, I was afraid of fighting. It. And so I did. Uh, I took some martial arts. And I had a great teacher who was um, did some, actually early in life. He's from China. He did um, some Jet Li movies and stuff. So it was a really old mm-hmm. school Southern Chinese fight. And so I do it. And I take the class. And I was, yeah. What I would do is I'd always, I'd always go in the ring and I'd always volunteer to, to fight black belts. Mm. And, you know, every time you're going to get your butt kicked and it's terrifying. The first time you're afraid of getting hit and flipped, it's scary. Then you get yeah. over it. You know what I mean? And the teacher's yeah. like, why do you keep doing it? Why do you want to fight? I'm like, because I'm not going to fight. My, my, my the person next to here with a white belt next to me. You're in the street. Mm. You want to fight somebody. You want to know you're yeah. going to fight the best. You want to get yeah. beat by the best every single time. You want to be prepared. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, 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 there's a fear of when you, yeah, when you're sober and you're getting flipped and thrown and punched and approaching somebody and you're that close mm-hmm. to them physically, it's a weird emotional thing too when you're grappling yeah. somebody. Yeah. Like there's that weird connection. All of a sudden you're like, you see them, you're like, it, it puts you in a different spot. It's, yeah. I, I could never, be, I could never be a fighter. I could, this is not my, no, me either. Wasn't cut out for I am. <laughs> see you. I want to talk about your album. Just, you redid your classic album and you threw some songs on it. Mm. It's great recording. And one of the, one of the things is, is is a singer. Your voice has never weakened or changed. I know you really haven't done any formal lessons with it. Do you feel you have to do anything now to your voice to keep it so strong? Um, 
it 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 really does uh, answer to um, if you don't use it, you lose it. I mean, I I, it ha I haven't lost it this yet, but um, I found that in in recent years, um, because we're we're not working as much. Um, it, it, it takes a little bit longer to to get to the point where, like, like for instance, the best example I can give is like, if I'll do like at the beginning of a tour, I'll do three nights and then I'll have a night or two off, um, and then I'll do another three nights and then after the first, you know, like week or so, um, that you can do night after night after night, you know, like you can do five or six nights in a row. Um, and it's it, it gets that that um, the quality that I really enjoy about um, it, you know it gets that raspy uh, like sort of Roddy Stewart sort of effect, which is great because he's my favourite singer. Well, I was going to uh, that's like I, I, yeah, we're going to talk about him in a minute. You and Rod Stewart, I have a question about that, my friend. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the um, so yeah, it, it's it, it's one of those things that. Um, um the more if we worked more um mm -hmm. i'm sure it would um it would uh it'd be easier to sort of break it back in i like from time to time but you know, it's like um we've worked twice i've done two gigs in 14 months since since, wow. the, since the industry yep. ground to a halt here in australia and one was with the tats we did a a special show up in darwin um, they do this show every year, and um, um, we did that one. And uh, and I did a no, I did two other two other nights with a cover band that I do I do um, that I was talking about before. Yeah. Um, and 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 they were the only two gigs that we've done since March. Um, yeah, we we were we were two weeks into. Our first European tour uh, from last year in March, and um, I think we were sort of like about you know maybe three or four, maybe five gigs in, and um, we're in Oslo, and um, they said, "Oh, they're going to close uh, Frankfurt Airport. They're going to close all the airports in in Germany, um, but they're closing Frankfurt mm -hmm. the, the night after." like now and so they said in, in oslo i didn't realize how far oslo was from uh, from frankfurt but it was like a 36 hour panic drive oh wow yeah we had to um a bus driver had to come out by car be driven out to meet us halfway because you know bus drivers can only do certain amounts of hours before they've got to have a certain amount of hours off and um, our bus driver was not going to be able to make it because um, we had to get right. back to, yeah. But um, so we came back and um, yeah, it'd been three gigs, three nights, three sets in all that time. So come, come um, October, we start touring again here. That's exciting. Um, yeah. So it's going to be, and, 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 and the gigs are starting to really pile up because, um, uh, there's no one coming in from outside anymore. It's, it's, it's so a lot of right Australian now, yeah. bands. Yeah, a lot of Australian bands are getting a lot of work, which is really good. That's really good. I think, um, and then hopefully 2022, you'll be coming states. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's the plan, and, and the dates have the the dates have been released. 
yeah. all in good faith. Um, so we're going to do um, we're going to do the Monsters of Rock uh, cruise again. Uh, we did that a few years ago, a couple of years ago, or two or three I keep years ago. Thinking about that, people keep talking to me. I, I think I'm going to have to do it. Even I'm going to fight my my fear of um, crowds and sharks. <laughs> Seriously, it's a big, mate. It's a big Folks? shift. You're, you're right. safe, but it's but then it's people, right? So then you're you got you got crowds of people. Yeah, sharks. The only yeah. thing to make it worse is if my bedroom or whatever they call the little docks had an electric blanket. That would be it. That would be over the top. <laughs> that would be too much. But but there's so many good acts on there. It really feels like I'm gonna have to just take a, the no, uh, no, the, it's, the it's, it's to see it. It looks sounds so good. Oh, mate, it's, it's the most fun you can have standing up. It's really, really a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, we've, done, we've done tours here out of Australia, up around, uh, you know, French Polynesia, um, mm-hmm. what they call French Polynesia, but um, we did um, one, uh, one for Wacken because um, uh, the guy or the guys, the, the company that runs Wacken, Thomas Jensen, who was um, he, he and a couple of mates started Wacken. Well, Thomas uh, manages us through Europe, um, and it, they started the rock cruise up there. So we did that uh, some a few years ago. Now that was a, a huge amount of fun. But the one through the Caribbean, as Americans say, um, <laughs> was just it was absolute hoot. It was just such a good. Good to it. Yeah, you should do it. You should do it. It was fantastic. I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna have to do it. People keep talking to me, and just finally something, a reason to go on a boat for me. I guess. You know. It's, it's, well, it's I, I got to. I got to see live a band that I hadn't seen for many, many years, which is an English band called Choir Boys. And, oh, I love that. Um, I've never seen them live though. Oh, fantastic band. Yeah, great band. Another great voice. Another great voice. Yeah. Another great raspy yeah. rock voice. But like, mm-hmm. as you get older, the voice is changing. Me, like, so there's not a lot of singers. In your peer group in the rock and roll genre, or whatever you want to say it, as you get older, it's harder. I mean, it's the hardest tool besides like drumming, you know. Um, mm. I'm not gonna make any bass player jokes right now because there's enough of them. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know who you are. Um, but but you know, and the guitar player has to practice, but like but then the physicality of like you know, being a singer or or a drummer, you know, as you get older, it's more of a challenge. I mean, there's a, a handful of singers that can still really deliver it. And 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 you're you're one of them. I know you say it's a little slow, you you feel slow. It's good. I mean, you have like like Sammy Hagar's got like a voice of leather at this point. Ugh. I don't think it's getting weaker. It's getting stronger, right? How strong is that guy's voice? But but you know, what I'm saying? I, like, I, some... I remember saying to to Angus, um, I I hadn't seen or spoken to Angus in twenty or more years. Uh, it have to be at least twenty or more years, yeah. And um, uh, he was out here. Uh, you know, visiting family, and uh, mm-hmm. when uh, when Guns and Roses were here, uh, so you know, uh, Axel had just done a stint with them, and um, so he was invited to um, get up and play the encore. As I'm always asked to get up and do Nice Boys with the Gunners whenever we, because whenever they're here, they they get us to do the an opening support for them, and um, which makes sense. And um, yes, it does, and it's a, it's, a, it's a lovely thing for them to do, and I've always been appreciative of it. But you know, so I caught up with Angus backstage, and um, we hadn't, like I said, we hadn't spoken for twenty years or plus. And um, anyway, uh, it was great to catch up, and I, I remember saying to him, uh, I said, when when you were thinking about um, 
singers, you know, like uh, way back in the day when they got Brian or particularly when they got Axel, I said, did you ever consider Sammy Hager? And he, That's brilliant. He that is me, a brilliant thought. That is, and he looked at me and he said, fuck me. He said, no. And I said, man, the fucking guy could, you know, he could sing the shit out of anything, yeah. you know. He's a great singer. He can. He can. Great singer. Great singer. And um, I said, you know, you know, that never occurred to you? And he went, mate, he said, mate, I, quite honestly, he said, I didn't enter my mind. He said, if it had, he said, um, yeah, he, he might have been. But, you know, they they wanted someone for that tour to obviously to to create uh, a controversy, if you like. Um, you do, and there's, there's got to be a relatability of a certain fans, you know. Sammy Hagar fans are going to there's going to be a crossover accepting ACDC. Yeah. So Axel, yeah. I mean, they, you know, yeah. I mean, Axel did did a job. I mean, he's known for doing ACDC. Oh, absolutely. I'm surprised no you weren't on the short, I'm surprised you weren't on part of the shortlist for that either. Um, I, I think it goes back to the early days, and um, I think um, Mark Evans tells the story that because um, people say, "Oh, why, why haven't the Tats ever?" done a tour with ACDC because it was it was the members of ACDC that got us signed mm -hmm. to Albert's in the first place if it had to be right. from Malcolm and, and predominantly Bon um, I mean we had that association with Phil but yeah um, I'm not sure that Phil uh, strongly went to bat for us but he certainly would have said look you know you really should have a look at them, but it was Bon and and uh, and Malcolm predominantly uh, that that really pushed for George and Harry to to come and see us and 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 um and because they were excited with you know what we were doing musically, but they they also if Mark and I don't doubt Mark tells the story accurately, but um, he tells the story that uh, someone said well maybe what we should do is um. Is, is put the two bands out together. And George said, that'll never happen. And he said, because um, <clears throat> we don't want the two people, that we don't want the two bands, um, uh, you know, he, he, George paid us a compliment, but he said, well, you know, um, Rose Tattoo should be, you know, headlining in their own right. But anybody said, but mm -hmm. we, we don't want them playing in front of ACDC because it, it's sort of like um, it's um, it's like too sort of too strong, right? You know, it puts you, a, puts you in a different position. It puts you as an opening yeah. act. It puts you, or vice versa. It could be it's yeah. no disregard to either band. If ACDC yeah, went for exactly. you, make ACDC, and that's how oh there it's this and then that. Subconsciously, people mm -hmm. see things for the first time. It's that first impression. But now that things have changed during this tour. Like, have you come on? You know, what I'm saying it'd be interesting now. You know. Things are so different now. Like to have you just. I think so. I, the band. I think I, that would I, I be think, a really good thing now. I, I think it'd be. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think it'd be more applicable now to to, to see uh, Tats um, as an opening act for ACDC now uh, these days than it would have been. I can I can see why we, we took it as a great compliment. We took it as as a bit. Well, you know, okay. Um, not that they ever saw us as the threat or anything. It's just that the, the, the two bands were 
I suppose, vying for the same. Well, there are similarities, the same place, the same same album release year. I mean, there was such a thing you really wanted to, it's like, you know, two siblings, you want to, you know, make your own name. Yeah. Yeah. But you guys, the only other band band that we, that we did tour with extensively um, later on, once they'd left Elvis was with the, with the Australian choir boys. Mm -hmm. And they, yeah, they, they did their first works with uh, Elvis. They were part of the Elvis family. And then um, they had a, a disagreement um, over musical direction and they went to Mushroom and um, had a huge, their biggest hit actually here in Australia, um, the song called Run to Paradise, but um, they never, they were never able to sort of follow that up. And I think, I think in retrospect, I think, um, you know, if they'd, um, you know, not that you can go back and change the past, obviously, but um, one of the things about Alberts was that they, it was an exclusive family to belong to. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why we used to call ourselves the Alberts family. Um, business-wise, they used to call us the Alberts stable, but, um, but we, you know, we, we were definitely a family. Um, but there was, you know, ourselves, a, a bank a band here called the Angels. Yep. There was ACDC, the Angels. There was Rose Tats. There was the Choir Boys, and there was a couple of um, um, outfits. John Paul Young, pop singer, which George and Harry wrote for, and and Stevie Wright, who was the singer in the Easy Beats. Um, they wrote albums with him for him, um, and and there was a a, a trio. Um, uh, no, no, no. They were a quartet led by the bass player singer called the yep. Ted Mulry Gang, and um, they were a pop band too. But um, very, very successful bands here in Australia. But we were all part of that um, the Elvis family. Now, when you say stable, it almost sounds like you know you being part of stable. It's like oh, it sounds like you're part. You're like the pool boy for a rich woman. Angry Anderson is part of the stable. <laughs> Here comes Angry, the pool boy. <laughs> Miss Judy, she could have me That's awesome. You, you were, you were so funny. What I, I love um, on this album, and really, two things. Before we wrap up, for, for at least for today, before we lose our freaking interconnection, the, the, the uh, sweet love. You have three. So you had the yeah. album. It's great. Your voice sounds great. But sweet love, I hear bases. I hear early Rod Stewart. In that, I hear why isn't he doing a Rod Stewart compilation of old bases songs? Uh, your my, voice is so good. It would be my, so fun to have you do some old songs like that. My, I, I have just launched, but we've been held back by COVID. After twenty years of planning and promising, I've finally yeah. launched the Angry Anderson Band, and it's, and it's musically, it's a young, it's a bunch of younger blokes. It's sort of like none of them are sort of over their forties, mm-hmm. um, uh, late thirties into early forties, and uh, they're a band that opened for us. We share the same management. There's a band that they've been opening for us for years. A band called Palace of the King. And the whole band have got a very, the thing that makes their music so cool is that they, they have very, very 
the same musical instrument influences of, of the, the late 60s, early 70s that I have, including, of course, predominantly the faces. So they've got that very, the band themselves, without me, sound that way. They've got a very 70s. Um, the swagger. You know, yeah, definitely the swagger. But they've got that, um, the guitar sounds, and they affect that influence on stage. I like that. The way the way they dress, um, the, you know, they're, they're all long haired, they wear flares, you know, they've got that that very sort of like, um, there's a keyboard player in the band and, you know, they've got a sort of like a Spencer Davis-y, Stevie Winwood thing going on. Um, we've jammed on things like um, uh, Mr. Fantasy and, um, um, you know, Can't Find My Way Home and things like... Um, Those are great. Um, you know, Mr. Like Fantasy the, the, can be a long song to play. It's a long song. <laughs> well, you know, it, yeah, it, it, and that's a great thing too. That's another part of the 70s vibe that they've captured as the jam, which the Tats have always had. The, the Tats have always been live, they've always been a jamming right. band. So, you know, pardon me, sometimes um, the songs, you know, become elongated because of the jamming. Uh, pardon me, uh, component, but um, yeah. So we we did um, while they were opening for us. So I rehearsed a lot of stuff with them. Um, when I say rehearse, we did sound checks, and I, you know, yeah. we did um, Ju- Judy's Farm. We did sort of picture tells a story and stay with me and Maggie ah. May. Um, um, you know, songs like uh, Cut Across Shorty and. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about right there. Yeah, Isn't yeah. It? So they know all that stuff, and and that's the sort of material that we're going to do as a as the Angry Anderson band. And we've we've also we've re-recorded. Um, we'll get back to the re-recording of the Tats thing, but we re-recorded uh, with the AA band the out of the two uh, mushroom albums I did. Oh yeah. Uh, we, We've we've taken the best songs of both and done a new re-recording of the album. But to, getting back to the re-record, a lot of people sort of said, "Well, why do you want to do that?" They said, "Well, uh, we want to mark, um, like acknowledge the history." And and I thought the band uh, that, that that recorded that re-recorded those songs, um, it, it was the right band, right chemical, organic uh, chemistry lineup. To pull it off and and not just be a copy, right? Playing the songs, but not just not being not you know so much copy. And um, the reason that I wanted to put um, Sweet Love, Snow Queen, and uh, and Rosetta on the album because they were three of the original tracks that were presented to George and Harry for the original album. Wow! So. We had this opportunity to re-record the original album, so it was kind of like, well, we didn't get to, they didn't make the cut then, so we'll re-record the songs and see if they stand up, which of course they did, and they they partly stood up because of the way we recorded the album, which was a, it was a very much of a nostalgia trip. Um, um, we went back and recorded the whole album the way that we recorded the first album. So we set up in the studio. Everyone's in the studio with, with screens, but set up in a semicircle. So you're sort of looking around the room at one L- Live, get the whole live feeling. 
Yeah, yeah. So all the rhythm tracks were done um, instead of one instrument at a time, they were done together. So the drums, the bass and the rhythm guitar player were, were definitely kept for a rhythm track. Um, the slide player might play over uh, that selected rhythm track um, a, a few times and then they'd select or he'd select with the with the producer what they thought was the best solo that, that suited that the particular rhythm track. Um, about 50% of the vocals were, oh, no, maybe, maybe to be fair, maybe about 30% of the vocals were kept from the live recordings, like from me singing along with the band. And because sometimes they're the best vocals anyway, because it's the vibe. It's like they mightn't be the best vocals technically, but they just fit the track. They fit the vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, like Rosetta, I remember going in one night, and I'd, I'd been I'd been retracking um, a couple of the songs, and um, I remember um, Mark said to me, the producer, he said, um, "Would you like to go in and 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 uh, do this uh, remedy and um, um, and one of the other fast ones. I said, yeah, 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 fine, you know. So we didn't want to do that. And he said, and he just said, oh, have a have a listen to um, the, the the track uh, stuck on you. Uh, no, Rosetta. Yeah, yeah. And um, he said, uh, have a listen to Rosetta. He said, um, are you happy with what you did? And I said, yeah. He said. And 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 because you got to remember that Mark Opus, Mark Opus was trained as a teenager, as a cadet, by George and Harry, so he knew all the tricks. Yep. So I'm tired. I've sang all most of the day, and he said, um, "Oh, look, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna run Rosetta." He said, "I'm just doing a disc mix." He said, "Right, just sing along with me, with you." And that's how he got the vocal for that, because um, it's you know he tricked, it you, sounds... he, he, he tricked you with a with a guy track, right? <laughs> he, 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 it, was, it was an old George Young, yeah. you know, like just just sing along, mate, just sing along, see what you could do with it, you know. But I'm going to be doing a mix, mix Dex mix, disc mix while you're doing it, so you, you're under no pressure. You think you stink. That's my motto, man. Right? Yeah, and you just you just sing the track. And anyway, I came back in and he's sitting back like this, exactly <laughs> the way George used to. I do it too. I do it. Like and George <laughs> used to just sit there and he sort of rock back and forward in the chair and he go, What do you think of that, lad? And I said, Oh yeah, it's not bad. He goes, That's the fucking one. Well, I can't do the accent, but you know, like <laughs> Um, but yeah, I walked back into the studio and um, and uh, uh, Mark looked at me and he had this big grin on his face and he said, That's the one, that's the one I was after, you know. And I'm gonna say, beyond that, the production I always listen to production, I love the production on this. It feels, yeah, yeah. Mark, Mark's live, Mark's... it feels this. This is, I would, I don't buy a lot of albums on, on vinyl past a certain timestamp, you know. Uh, because you know I'm 50 and get off my lawn. <laughs> because because of that, right? So because most things don't sound that good, you know. This would be. You know, I haven't gotten on vinyl yet, but I will be getting this on vinyl because the sound with Bose speakers on vinyl. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is. It sounds magic to me. 
It's you know fat. because of the production. Fat. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's fat. analog. It's it's got it's got a warm. It's raw. I feel like you're right there. I mean, you are right here. Or I listen to it. I feel like you're right. <laughs> I have so many this, images of you between the the, the, the surfing this, and everything else now in my head. I have so much angry in my head right now. Yeah, but, yeah, but there's a better. There's a best. This is the best part of the story, right? So yeah, when we come to do the album. George is gone, right? So, but Harry's been very, very ill for many quite for quite a few years. Yeah. That he's getting on. So anyway, um, uh, Mark sort of says, uh, you know, we 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 say to Mark because he produced uh, the last band album, which is Blood Brothers. Yep. Which is the the album I wanted to do while Mick was still alive, you know, because um, you know, we even though it was a few years before he died, we knew he was dying. And um, and so I wanted to do one more album with him as a writer because, you know, we co-wrote all the early stuff except for Scarred. But, but um, Mick and I do, wrote predominantly the, all the songs on the first album and uh, and certainly on Assault and Battery. And then he left because and I worked with Robin Riley on the second album. And then so I wanted to do another album with Mick um, and we did Blood Brothers, and I'm very, very glad that we did. But Mark Opitz produced that album too, and uh, so sonically, it's a, it's a very, um, you know, it's a, I love that as a sounding, yeah. isn't it? Sonically, uh, it's a beautiful album. But um, anyway, um, Mark, uh, being the producer, <laughs> had the pick of the studio, you know. So he said to me. Um, you know, I've got something very exciting to tell you. And I said, yeah, okay. He said, we're, we're going to do um, the album at Harry's studio. Um, and, and Harry's son, who's turned into a very good producer. Yeah. Um, uh, used, he produces a lot of the stuff at Albert's and uh, for, for Albert's, uh, Albert's for Harry. So anyway, um uh, but, we, you know, we'd already engaged Mark to do the producing. So I said, oh, be, you know, it'd be great because I hadn't, I hadn't seen Harry's son until, you know, since he was a child, yeah, all those years ago. So anyway, long story short, we get in the studio and we, we, we're about three or four days in and, and we're just, you know, getting the rhythm tracks. And um, anyway, uh, the catering brought in all this food. Like we, I noticed, you know, I walked out of the studio and in the kitchen, there was all this like, like food. And um, I've come back in and um, I said to Mark, there's a whole lot of food out there. Like, is that for us? And he said, yeah. He said, um, it's a special day today. So we're having a, we're going to break early and have a, a, a lunch. And Harry came into the studio and, um, uh, you know, we didn't think that we, that we would see him because he was so ill. We knew he was ill. Everyone knew he was ill. And, um, and he'd been really battling this serious illness for a couple of years. Anyway, he came into the studio. He was very frail, came in with the missus and his son and, um, and had lunch with us. So, like, you know, it was fantastic seeing him, you know, like there wasn't a dry eye in the house. And um, um, so at the end of the lunch, we just said, like, look, you know, so George, uh, George, Harry says, um, so what are you doing this afternoon? And we said, oh, well, 
we weren't going to do anything, you know, because you're here. And he said, oh, well, seeing I'm here, he said, let's let's go in and have a listen, right? So we go into the studio and he sits back on the couch, puts his hands behind <laughs> his head, and he said, to Mark, he said, Mark, you know, play me some tracks, you know. So we played all through the tracks and mm, mm, he said, and it was like, but anyway, the, one I'm, the point I'm trying to make was like all of a sudden we went from, uh, what was it? What, what was it? it must have been 19, I think we recorded it, or, or 18, whatever. But um, So we went back, boom, to the, to the 70s, you know, like all of a sudden we were transformed, like transposed. And there oh, was so Harry. Cool. Yeah, the only thing, of course, that was missing was George. But um, there was Harry, and he he sat there, you know, like like this, listening. Mm, mm, he said, mm, mm. so then he puts his hand out, right? So and someone gives him a guitar, and he starts to play. And he said, "I'm hearing this here, you know, like." And it was like, bam! Like he wasn't ill anymore. He wasn't old and aged, and and you know, like frail and. We were just all, we went back like 30 years, 40 years, and it was like he started to say to, to, to Mark and the band, you know, he said, Why don't we get, get, just go in, just, just for me, just for me. And it's exactly like he used to say back in the late 70s and the 80s, just, just for me, just, just please an old man. He said, just like, play it like this, like that. And the guys went back in there and played it, and it was fucking, you know, you just, Die comes back in and goes like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, that works a treat. And it was just the simplest thing, the simplest thing. And it was like. See, it's up here, right? Like your body yeah, is not I, the same as what your will is. There's two different he, things. His, his body is something different. He, you know, and, and, he, and he's misses. And after a couple of hours, he got tired. And, um, and he did. He started to get tired. And you could see it. Mm-hmm. But he didn't want to leave. He he. he, he <laughs> Like a little kid that wants to stay and watch TV, and he's falling yeah. asleep on your shoulder. <laughs> he just wanted the band were the, like the band were recording. You know, he was the producer. You know, he wanted to. You know, it was like it was just a beautiful moment. And in the end, like his missus says, "Harry, come on, man. You're, like you, you're tired. I got to get you home." And he he he, he did. He said he said yeah. yeah. He said like. He said, I, I, I might come back tomorrow, fellas. And, and, you know, is that all right? And we said, fuck, you know, Harry, come on. It's your studio. It's your band. Because, I, you know, him and George built the band musically. Yeah. As they did of all the bands in those days. And it was just a, a beautiful moment. And he, he left. And you know, I just sat there and cried. I just, I mean, Mark and I were the most emotional because, you know, like, He'd spent so many hours with George and Harry recording with ACDC, those first early albums. And, you know, so we all both had this connection with Harry and and Bob and, and Di and, and Jackie Barnes, the young drummer that we were using on that album. Um, they, they'd heard of these stories about this legendary guy, you know, Harry Vander, you know. Like, and he delivered. Oh mate, he was it was just like yeah, exactly. It was just like we like I said, transposed. We've like just boom, went back in time. It was just fucking a magic moment. And then and and then 
Um, I remember Mark saying, do you feel like doing anything else? And I said, no. <laughs> no, just like, Harry's gone now, like we're all going home. Like, was, it was like nowhere to go after that. That's the like, high point you leave on. You always got to leave on a high note, yeah. right? That, that is yeah. He didn't come back in the next day because he was too tired, but he um, he came back in the day after that. And um, by that time we were, uh, uh, you know, tracking uh, solos and, um, and mm. vocals and stuff. And, yeah, it was just beautiful. It was a wonderful, beautiful moment to That is to a great memory. And, and, yeah, and he, well, he said, he said, um, so he said, so like he, that's all he always did that to make it the emphasis. I go, well, so when when do we start work on the new album? <laughs> I said, I'll let you know, Harry, when we've got the songs. And he said, yeah, look forward to it. He said, I'm definitely coming in. He said, well, well we're, we're going to do it here, aren't we? You're like, and he, he said, well, <laughs> okay, yes. Of course. Yeah, that of course. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great, that is a great story. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that memory. That is, that is really special. That is, that is a good, that is great. Um, this, thank you for taking the time. Thanks for being oh, here. Mate, I've, I've enjoyed myself immensely, Sean. You did talk about maybe we'll catch up again, so let's do Absolutely. that.